0: side myself with excitement over this class. Uh, Professor Andrew McIntosh is here. He is outside of, of um, uh, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know how to describe him. He is one of the top Hebrew scholars of our era. He has taught Hebrew at Cambridge University for over 40 years. When the British uh, uh, Church, the Church of England, wanted to retranslate the Psalms from Hebrew into English, because this had not been done for hundreds of years, uh, if ever, uh, they went to, to Dr. McIntosh to do this work in the 70s. He's a, a scholar beyond measure. Uh, he is, has been at Cambridge as a student, as a tutor, as a professor, as a dean, as a chaplain, and as a president, uh, he's, he's – and Cambridge, if you all don't know, it's the Texas Tech of England. It is – it is uh, uh, an outstanding school, uh, rivaled uh, – uh, uh, he would tell you by no one. Uh, my son, an Oxford grad, would say rivaled by Oxford, but uh, uh, Dr. Mack would not agree. And so what we're going to do is we're going to convert this into a Hebrew class today. Now, you may be saying, eh, don't say eh, that's not a Hebrew word. (laughs) From here on out, we need to learn Hebrew. So I'm going to, uh, uh, out of deference to my preacher, Ken I'm going to ask one question before we delve into the Hebrew. The question is this. Where did you get started in understanding that the Bible applied to you and your life? Tell us the story, and uh, then we'll get into Hebrew class.
1: Well, I think the thing started because of the nasty man with the mustache. Can I get a little more volume on him? The nasty man with the mustache, I lived. was born... In 1930, right at the end of 1936, in a town called Eastbourne on the south coast of England, 20 miles away from France. And uh, by the time I was four, trouble had started with a man with a mustache, and he didn't like us very much, and he started bombing us. And so I, as a child of four and five, my first real Understanding of anything was bombing the house in which I lived. The windows were blown in in 1940 ten times in one year with bombs falling all around, Um, and I lost some little friends and all that. Of course, it was awful, horrific. but it, it was formative. I didn't know that anything else happened. I thought this is normal. You know, bomb four o'clock, bombs will be coming. <laughs> uh, but of course, uh, and, uh, and the other aspect of it was that my father was a priest of the Church of England, and he used to roar off on his motorbike, dodging the bombs to care for the wounded and the dying in the cr- crumbled houses all around. So that seemed to make sense. It seemed to make sense of the bombing that somebody would risk, and my beloved father would risk his life to go off to look after people. So I think that's where I uh, put two and two together and made the decision that, that, that Christian faith was the answer to the Very shortly after, it was cemented because I was told I had to learn Psalm 43, by heart. I will go, no, I'm going to say, give sentence with me, O God, and defend my cause against the ungodly people. Deliver me from the deceitful and wicked man. Oh, it made complete sense of the bombs and everything. I've been delivered from the deceitful and wicked man, and my job now was to go to the altar of God and give thanks to him and worship him. And so I suppose it's a kind of com- conversion experience, I suppose, is, is that Luke? Yeah, that's yeah. good, that's good. So uh, within the framework of
0: this, uh, you find yourself, you did uh, well in school. Yeah. yeah. And you got into Cambridge. And this is probably, you had probably not heard of Texas Tech back then.
1: I heard something not about te- te- uh, the yellow te- it- I heard something about a yellow rose. Yeah, the yellow rose of Texas.
0: Uh I'm going now to see um yeah that we 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 didn't have roses in Lubbock. We <laughs> we, we Lubbock is is what Isaiah prophesied about where the mountains have been brought low and the valleys have been lifted up. <laughs> and it is. It's pretty flat. <laughs> um, um, but but you went to to Cambridge before
1: you went to Cambridge. What languages had you studied in school? Oh, well, I, I went to, in England to a public school, which in England means a private school. It is obvious, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and they, I taught. They taught me Latin and Greek and ancient history. Those were the. Well, we had to learn French, of course, because they were our neighbors. Uh, um, but uh, really, the ancient languages, classic, classical languages. And
0: so you learned Latin.
1: Yep. You learned about the Roman who went into the
0: McDonald's <laughs> and ordered five hamburgers. Yeah. So Roman I, numeral I, I, five. <laughs> five five hamburgers okay
1: you see why I'm becoming a wreck
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so you 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 go to Cambridge already equipped with languages th- that that uh, would frustrate many people to learn but you go and and why did you take
1: Hebrew? I was instructed to I was told, you go there on Monday and you start learning Hebrew. And I said to myself, I can't, shan't, won't, don't like it. I'm going to write to my Member of Parliament and get out of this. But I did do it, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it dictated the rest of my life. And I'm, the point, the moral of this is you need to force young people to do things sometimes because otherwise they don't know what's out there. (laughs) Uh,
0: We've got some twins down here, Oliver and Ava, who are homeschooled. And uh, do your parents ever force you to do anything? To learn things you don't want to? Yes, sir. (laughs) See, they're doing it because they love you. Okay, so teach us some Hebrew,
1: please. Right, I think the way to do this is to teach you a Hebrew song, and it's very simple, and it's a psalm. It's the first verse of Psalm 133, and when I, when I was a young graduate student, I won a scholarship to Israel. It was an unusual thing to do in those days, but in 1960, I went to Israel, and I learned to speak the modern language, and I... Picked up one or two songs as one does, and here I'm going to pass it on to you. The first verse of Psalm 133. Now you've got to copy me, but before you are too too enthusiastic and start singing, before I have taught you, that's not a good thing. You've got to listen first. Okay, here goes the first phrase. manayim. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a, I'll get a better T. Me 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 me. Let's try again. Hinei matovu manaim. Brilliant. And again, because it's so good. Hinei matovu manaim. Shevet achim gam yachad. Shevet achim gam yachad. Put those two together. <laughs> I they used to children all these child he's behind you.
0: <laughs> I, I I I thought it might help if we put the lyrics yeah, okay. up for people. So if we could go uh, uh, to the the Elmo. Um, Oh wait, wait, wait! Uh, uh, here, let's put it into English letters, uh, yeah. uh, and and maybe you can teach us this way.
1: Yeah, I w- my gratitude is very great.
0: My 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 appreciation. This is the way my... we did it in Lubbock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was worried though because people coming up behind me, you know. Anyway, he did. Inema, me me me. Inema tovum na'im. Shabbat hakim gam yachal gen. Inema tovum na'im. Shabbat hakim gam yachal. Inema tov. Inema tov ma The last one. ma tovu So you're only learning a few words, but that's exactly how they sing it, words at a time. So let's try and put it together now. Do you think, you, you think you're up to it? I'm yeah! Lo- I'm looking for guts. I'm looking for military qualities. <laughs> I'm looking for guts. Initiative and sheer physical fitness. Ine matov manaim, shevet achim gam manaim, shevet achim gam yachar. Ine matov, ine manaim. Ine Ine my my Ine. 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 Ah. End of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you've got to translate it so they know uh, what, what, what oh.
1: they're singing. Hine. Hine means behold. Behold. Oh, behold. I always used to teach my students who were going to visit. Perhaps a rather special girl that they should knock on the door, and when the girl put her head round, they should say, "Hinani, behold me." <laughs> and that, that seems a very romantic way of introducing yourself. To say, Hinay with me on the end is Hinani." Can we have it together? Hinani, here I am. I. And who said Hinani? Who somebody very important said, I'm not talking about girlfriends or boyfriends, <coughs> some very important prophet said, Hineni. Isaiah. Behold me. Send me. Isaiah 6. How about that? But what's wonderful about Hebrew, it's not just religion. It's not just... It happens in ordinary life too. I was... first time I went to Israel, I... I had been brought up uh, with the Eucharist um, and the holiest part is holy, holy, holy Lord God of Sabaoth. We say Sabaoth, which means armies. And I said it was very, very pious. Very. I went to Israel. And a great tank went past with Sabaoth written on it. It was an Israeli army tank. So something that had been very spiritual to me was earthed by the reality. Extraordinary experience.
0: Okay, behold.
1: Yeah. Matov. Oh, I don't need one word. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, now, no, no, no. This is ma- good. Mat means how, how good. Tov. Matov.
0: Mazeltov.
1: Mazeltov. Yes. Yeah, you see, you can't stop him. Mazeltov. <laughs> <laughs> Mazeltov. Now that's interesting. Mazeltov means a happy conjunction of stars we have a verse from Psalm 84 which says righteousness and peace have kissed each other beautiful phrase righteousness and peace have kissed each other righteousness is in Hebrew tzedek which is also the name of a pre-Israelite God called tzedek and shalom is peace which is another planet. So what's behind the beautiful righteousness and peace have kissed each other is that the planet Sedek and the planet Shalom are in conjunction. And that's a happy sign. It's a happy sign from God. So, but look how beautiful the language is. Then it goes into the, the concept of peace and righteousness kissing each other, being... In life, in ordinary life, righteousness, proper behavior brings forth peace and reconciliation. What a beautiful language this is. Sorry, I can't say.
0: No, 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 mazeltoph. Um. No, ma- the
1: mazel means good conjunction. Yeah
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Okay, uma. U is and. Ma is again how. And so n-
0: behold how good, whoops, I did God. And how? And how naïm.
1: Naïm is pleasant. Pleasant. Uh, The the anemone flower in English actually comes from this word, pleasantness. Naïm, pleasant. All right. Pleasant, yeah. How pleasant? Chevet is to sit down or to dwell, but you want to imagine a campfire with everybody sitting around it. Uh, that's sitting, Achim is brothers. So brothers sitting together, gam yachad. All together, together, yachad. And um, Mark made a very good comment on that when I did it before.
0: I was going to throw out a different comment this yeah. time. Because we've, we've, we just did this at the other campus. Um,
1: you're singing, Shevet, you're singing better than them.
0: We, we've, <laughs> oh, 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 you've got to be real careful. This one goes on the Internet. Uh, uh, I usually say those things to them when it's not on the Internet. Um, Shevet. Yeah. Uh, we've got some Jewish folks in here, and they know when someone dies, mm-hmm. you go sit Shiva with the family. Same word. Same concept. Yeah. Sitting,
1: sitting, sitting to receive the mourners. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, uh, Shevet, uh, Achim, Gam, Yachad. Yeah. Yachad with uh, Echad is yeah. one. That's
1: a brilliant remark. It's one. Sitting at one. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sitting as one.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So, this is what we would commonly, most of our translations are, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Yeah. but we know it as hine matov umanayim shevet achim gam yacha that's
1: lovely yeah very okay good. thank you we got it yeah.
0: okay now that you'll, have, you'll just... have to
1: sing it one more time before i go
0: want to do it now or no, you want to do no, it at no, the no, end later later. of class
1: yeah.
0: all right i'm going to stay up here for just a moment because we have some more hebrew but before we get to the hebrew we have someone who has sent you a greeting so if you will put the first picture up on the screen please While we are here today, the gentleman in the camouflage kneeling with all of these students from Lipscomb University, my alma mater, go Bisons, uh, that is General Alexander McIntosh, Good Dr. McIntosh's son, who is stationed in Jordan, a general, brigadier general or something, right. of the Welsh Guard, who has been stationed in Jordan and is meeting with some students of a friend of mine, and and they have been, uh, uh, your, your son has been gracious to host them, but when your son found out I might post this, yeah. he had something very short to say to you. What was that? Well, let's go to the next and uh, uh, see if you can. uh... Okay, and hit play if possible. Ah, yeah, 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 go down, down, down. There you go.
1: Hi. (laughs) (laughs) He's a strong, silent military type. Now, so, he, in fact, he is, uh, he, he is being seconded by the British Army. We have long connections within Jordan, which is one of the most sensible Arab countries, actually. They're very pro-Western. They're good. And he was posted there to put up a rapid reaction force in case the baddies from Syria started coming across. And he did that very successfully. And the King of Jordan... Uh, was very impressed with him, and so he's made him his personal military advisor. So he advises the King of Jordan.
0: Yeah. So, all right, here is the lesson that I want us to have today. This is the Hebrew lesson that you're going to teach us. And I'll, I'll as I can't help but throw stuff in periodically, I'll throw some stuff in periodically. Uh, uh,
1: but, most welcome. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you. You're becoming wiser every second. Uh,
0: that I spend around you <laughs> and uh, uh, or my wife. Um, so here's the deal. When we read the Bible and we read the Old Testament, how many Hebrew Old Testament words would you say there are?
1: Me? Yeah. I, I can't, do maths. can't do
0: math. Can't do math. Well, everybody's got a, an Achilles heel. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would suspect, I could be wrong. Professor Cloud, you don't know how many there are, do you? <laughs> Roughly 7,000. The average English vocabulary is somewhere between 50 and 60,000 words. So they have about one word for every eight of ours. That means their one word has to do eight times duty. Right, So these words have a full semantic range. You never want to say this Hebrew word means that. It never means one thing. It's got a full semantic range. You with me? I tell you that because we have a tendency to read our Bibles where they have to translate oftentimes one word with one word. And we lose that semantic range. So I thought you could help us understand this by looking at the body parts that are most frequently used in the Old Testament Hebrew and give us what the meaning of those body parts was in terms of when the reader reads them and they see ear, they don't just think of that one of those two things sticking on the side of the head, but they've got, they've got more meaning than that behind the words. So would you give us an anatomy lesson? Yeah.
1: Well, let's start with something fairly straightforward, eyes, because this is also true in, in English. Uh, the eyes see physical things, but you also have an extended meaning when you explain something and the other person says, oh, I see. So see can mean perception, not just physical perception, but mental perception, to understand. But that's a good simple one because it's the same in both languages. If we talk about ears, the implication of ears is hearing and obedience. So if you listen, then you obey. Um, so that, that's ears. I think that's quite. Um, we, we have one, a saying of uh, Isaiah: um, ears, they have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. And they have. Uh, head, oh, I've forgotten. They're heavy. No, their ears are heavy. That's right, their ears are heavy. They have eyes that they don't see, they have ears which are heavy. So what is, I thought when I first read that, we're talking about a Labrador dog with, with heavy ears. But heavy ears means they are so heavy that they're not, they're not fine-tuned. Uh, so so there's, there's some implications of hearing. Okay, so
0: on the way over here, we, we drove uh, um, with haste. From the other campus to this campus. But in the process, we were talking. And Dr. McIntosh said something that I thought was very uh, uh, sensible, profound, and good. He says, if you want to understand the Old Testament, you need to understand Hebrew. If you want to understand the New Testament, you need to understand Hebrew. Which is interesting because the New Testament's written in Greek. But you need an understanding of Hebrew. So I want to throw out... A New Testament passage that I think you help us understand when we see this. Yeah, Jesus teaches a lesson, and then he says, "Let him who has ears to hear hear." Does
1: that mean more than simply listen up? No, I think it means uh, it means to obey. To obey. Yeah. It, to obey. When you've when you've heard this. You fall into line. You, you, you uh, It's not actually very different from seeing and understanding. It's but the but the ears rather hearing the words, and the words must be obeyed, and all. Uh, you have to be consistent with them. Okay. Some of you are Greeks. It took Greek.
0: I know. A, a number of you come up to me afterwards, and and. Someone's going to come up and say, yeah, that Greek word that's translated obey is actually two Greek words put together. Hoop, which means under. It's a hoop. Under. And akuo, which means we get acoustics from it, to hear. To hear and come under is to obey. Same idea. So when we look at passages in the Hebrew Old Testament that talk about ears the readers in their day would have been thinking more than just simply the appendage. Yeah, yeah, They'd be yeah, thinking about understanding.
1: Yeah. All right, give us more. Well, before, we, we've also got a nice one in English. Um, Shakespeare says in Julius Caesar play, he says, Friends, Roman countrymen, lend me your ears, which I used to thought was a scream when I was a child. You can kind of pull your ear off and give it... The, but, of course, it's a lovely expression for listen up. There's listen up for you. Yeah.
0: Okay. I was going to grab a passage out of Psalms where it says. Eh, that's all right. I'll grab it in a minute.
1: Give us another word. The next word I'm going for is noses. Noses are anger, snorting. And there's the af, Adonai, the fury of the Lord, snorting anger. If you read Psalm 18, you'll see a lot of snorting anger. Now, the, the, the Bible is not afraid of what we call anthropomorphisms, talking about God in human terms. One of the most lovely ones is, I think, Sarah. The Lord knocks on her tent door, and she puts her head out and says, oh, it's you. She says, oh, if I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. <laughs> it's so beautifully natural and anthropomorphic. Yeah? But, but the snorting anger of God is something you are to be very much afraid of. Uh, and so the, the, the nostril, the snorting nostril is a symbol of anger. And it says that when... God has been angry and he lets up do you know what the old King James said, it says God repented of the evil that's very strange English, but that's what King James said, it means he relented, he stopped being angry, and the word which expresses that change from anger to calmness is a breathing word he breathes deeply in respect of himself and so calms down. And the same word is there in uh, Isaiah 40. Nahamu, nahamu, ami Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Means make them breathe slowly. Calm them down. Calm down, my dear. Have a cup of tea. Take some deep breaths. That's the taste the taste of Hebrew. That's what the rabbis call it, the taste of Hebrew words. They taste. They really have a taste. And the taste is calming down and breathing slowly from the snorting of anger.
0: Now, some of you are going to
1: panic and say, well, what does this mean
0: that that God snorts in anger and then God calms down? It makes God sound like an emotional wreck who needs to be on medicine. Let me urge you to understand that the Bible is written in ways to try and understand God for people, not just us today, but for people in the day in which it was written. And so the Bible will use anthropomorphisms, use human terms to help us understand something about God, and our job is to try to understand what that really, uh, the, the deeper level of understanding and meaning that we can get from that. And, and a good example will be, it talks about God's hands and, and the arm of God rescuing uh, uh, Israel from Egypt with his strong outstretched arm. And, and, and it's not that God had an arm that was out there. It's it's an in fact what does arm mean in Hebrew? Give us well, a, an arm.
1: Actually, it's, the outstretched arm means it means punching, uh, and it did. In, if you go into the Sinai Desert, it, it shows pharaoh, there are um, carvings of Pharaohs thumping the Bedouin people, the, the natural people. It's this outstretched arm, and it, the Bible has taken that from from. Uh, from the Egyptian pictures of of thumping people, so uh, uh, but then there's a lot more about arms. If you are depressed, in Hebrew, Hebrew says your arms hang slack. <laughs> so it's a word picture of a depressed person. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, not be- not a person, but a wonderful picture of a depressed person. And if you want to encourage somebody, you strengthen their arms. You brace them up. Uh, In a military way again. Uh, So strengthening people's arms means encouraging them. Um, uh, We have a phrase, I know, strengthen the weak arms somewhere, which is strengthening. And then we're going down from that, we go to the hands. Hands are for work. The work of my hands is ordinary work. And God made the stars with his hands and he did the fine-tuning with his fingers. So fingers are uh, an indication of fine work, craftsmanship. Uh, so that's hands and fingers. Uh, we've done <coughs> nose, mouth. Mouth, and best story about mouth is Uh, When Isaac was marrying Rebecca, and the servant um, went to find Rebecca, and uh, he discussed the matter with Rebecca's father and said, uh, uh, Are you willing to marry Isaac uh, to the father? The father said, Fine. They paid bride price and all that. And then they say, Let us ask the mouth of Rebecca. Ask the mouth of Rebecca what does that convey? It conveys a personal question to her. Are you happy with this? You. Because girls in those days didn't always have a choice in the matter. But let's ask her mouth. A little tiny example of Hebrew gentility and manners and courtesy that the girl is asked. So, mouth. And the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That means it's a real biz. It's not, when I'm getting up, it comes from his mouth, from his mouth.
0: Okay, so next week I'm going to continue, God willing, my series on science and faith and how they integrate. And I think that you're going to be a little stunned. This is extremely helpful when it speaks of God's and the work of his hands in making the universe, but then it talks about the work of his fingers. The concept being taught there is that this universe was not something thrown together, that it's something God deliberately finely tuned and crafted and paid great attention to detail. And that speaks to us about science because science is how we understand this world. And when we understand from faith that God has finally tuned it and told us to pay attention to it and told us to observe it and told us to use it to combat the problems of this world, it's extremely relevant. So you all are going to be able to say, oh, yeah, Macintosh said something about that.
1: Next one, heart. This is a very important one. The heart is the thinking organ in Hebrew? You you would think it's the brain, but they did have no conception of the brain. They didn't know what it was. I don't think they they just didn't understand it. But the heart was the thinking equipment, and it still is in modern Hebrew to this day. A road sign up on the which says there's a bend coming says Seem Lave put your heart at, onto the matter because there's a dangerous curve coming. Be careful, caution enough, but your heart is the thinking equipment. And uh, there are many examples. I, I, I know that uh, Mark has got some examples of this which have interested him. So if yeah, he's ready, so I'll let look, him. Look,
0: for example, at Psalm 9 verse 1. And, and here's, here's the reason why. Uh, I am convinced that, and, and this I'll, I'll explain some of this next week as well. I'm convinced that too often we think because we're trying to hear the voice of God, maybe, or maybe because we're still intrigued by the mystery of the Spirit of God and how the Spirit of God works, that we tend to think that how we feel Carries a different weight than it should. And I'm afraid sometimes we don't recognize how important it is what we think. And that's why it's so important what we feed our mind. It's so important the things we look at. It's so important the things we learn. Because what we think dictates reality in a way unlike what we feel. And if we understand that the heart is the thinking organ, organ, Oregon is a state, excuse me, organ, then look at a passage like Psalm 9, verse 1, and see how much more sense it makes. I g- will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart this is not an emotional thanks this is a thoughtful deliberate intelligent thanks and so there's a parallel phrase underneath we've talked a lot in here about how hebrew poetry will parallel to give a nuance of meaning i will give thanks is said in another way of i will recount So I will give thanks to the Lord, I will recount. With my whole heart is of all your wonderful deeds. That's what I remember, that's what I recall, that's what I think about. So this is not a call to an emotional reaction to God, though there are places where that's called for. But this is a call for thinking, I'm going to intellectually remember what God has done for me, and I'm going to declare it, and I'm going to thank Him for it. Count—did y'all sing in the Church of England? Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Uh, yeah, I
1: I have heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can
0: I, you do that in Hebrew?
1: I no, could, okay. but i need notice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It, it, it's just so important. Okay, so if, if the heart in Hebrew is the thinking organ, yeah. where's the feeling?
1: Coming to it. Again, Mark was absolutely right. We've got some nice cozy ones on heart too. Um, uh, comfort, ye comfort, speak to the heart of Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, finished. Speak to her heart means reason with her. Show her by historical actions and so forth that it's done. Oh, that's good. How about... uh, And in Hosea, Hosea leads his... uh, God leads his bride, meaning the people of Israel, through the desert. And it's all done in girl-boy talk. He, God, speaks... To her heart, he chats her up with intelligent reasonings that she should not. She should stay faithful to him. Uh, that's another beautiful heart one. Now, so emotion is lower tummy. Uh, I'm the bowels. I've got to be a bit careful. There are nasty words here, aren't there? But but guts, guts. I think is acceptable. Is that I'm not being impolite, if I say guts? No, guts. Well, it means the lower tummy in the Alfred Hitchcock in the, choir, in the shower sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, that real terror, you feel it at the bottom of your tummy. So very strong emotion is connected to the, to the emotions. As is, that's terror, as is uh, c- uh, compassion, warm compassion, For people, almost love for people. And that gave rise to a very curious translation of the New Testament in the King James Version, which says, Brethren in the bowels of Christ. Pretty awful, isn't it? But what they mean is that we are brothers in the compassion of Christ. But they're using, again, body language, you see, translated literally from Hebrew into English which gives a really rather uh, unpleasant uh, uh, translation of that but, but if you know what it is you know what they're trying to, what he was trying to say that we are all of us benefited by the m- immense compassion and mercy of Jesus uh, and so you have to know your anatomy t- to express that the lower tummy
0: yeah, we still have the expression of, of having a pit in the bottom of your stomach hmm. yes. uh, when, yeah. when you, you feel it. Yeah. But um, um, I'm going back to heart because there's another passage that, that shows this wonderfully well as it being a thinking organ. The Lord, this is Noah. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. See so the the heart. That's a prime verse for helping you remember that the heart is the thinking organ. Okay, so we've got eyes, ears,
1: nose. Oh, feet! I'm done feet. Yeah, what about feet? They can be very quick. Uh, how beautiful are the feet? of them that spread the gospel. Uh, Feet aren't, in my opinion, terribly beautiful, but they're beautiful if they're running along with wonderful good news, the gospel. So the messenger bringing the good news has feet. The feet are the thing you notice about a messenger. So feet
0: are associated with carrying things, carrying a message, whatever you may be carrying. All right. Some of you get a homework assignment for your Hebrew class. And here's the homework assignment. If you've got a phone, take a picture of the screen. See if you can zoom in and take a picture of these words. I've written the words, the Hebrew idea in green, in purple. I've written some fuller depth of, of understanding of those words in the Hebrew mind, and just some few extra notes in red off to the side. But your homework would be this. Take a picture and go find a, a concordance or use the, ask the Google Lords where to find in passages of the Bible these different words. Eyes, ears, nose, arm. Sometimes you'll see them and it's pretty clear it's just talking about the anatomy. But many times you'll see them and you'll understand the greater depth. And you will find passages where you'll say, Wow, I never understood that that way. So if you do that, um, your life will be richer. And you will be well on your way. And you'll be able to tell everyone, I studied Hebrew under Dr. McIntosh at Cambridge. (laughs) And you can share with them what you learned. Fair? Fair? All right. I know before we're done, we're going to do the song one more time. So I'm going to have everybody up here looking at it. But I have just a few minutes to ask you. Uh, I've got about two minutes before we sing the song again, two or three minutes to ask you a last question or two. Um, You are 80 some odd years young. We've got a full age spectrum here. So I'd like to ask you, what advice would you give to someone who is a young person yet to go to college, And then someone who's college-age into their 20s, then someone who's hit that middle of life, and then someone who is at the point where the end is closer than the start. Is that all? That's it, and you've got two minutes. (laughs) Speak to us now. Would you talk to all of the different age groups, a lesson for young people, a lesson for the middle-aged, and a lesson for the olders?
1: Well, I I won't do it in order. Um, I, particularly because I spent my life talking to young people, I would say get stuck into everything. Give it a go. I mean, this man, I describe this man as a whirlwind. He's a perfect example of somebody who gets on with it. Uh, and I think that's hugely important. It, it, amongst the very successful people that I've looked after in Cambridge are people who, who do everything. I mean, they row in the afternoons, they play rugger, uh, they play soccer, and they're still studying with every... they discipline, their personal discipline is strong, and they don't just sit there and half do half work and half play. It's better to work when you work and play when you play. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Middle age... Um, uh, well I've been married so I can only speak about marriage but I think marriage is so important the older you get if you've managed uh, by the grace of God to keep, keep together it gets better and better uh, and I think that's good um, so. I notice
0: Miss Carolyn's laughing but her husband Hank is not <laughs> <laughs> just say well, How many years, Miss Carolyn? 50 in, August. Fifty in August. Okay.
1: I can beat you. <laughs> I've done. I've done fifty-seven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> she just didn't start young. She said, um, "Old old age." Because I'm in that now. Uh, in fact, one of the, I when Mark did me the great honor to invite me back here to give another lecture. I did say I must impose one condition on my coming back again, that I should be still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, no, I would say in old age, this is the the part of the body you have to keep going. That's the most important one. If you keep it going in any way you can by learning Hebrew verbs or by mathematics, or, or by do, doing cross crossword puzzles, or bridge, all those things that use your brain keep you going. So that would be my thing there. Uh, I think that when the the great, great reaper starts appearing, I think one should relax, because there's nothing you can do about it. And... Uh, you say with the good Lord, who couldn't relax when he said it, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Uh, you relax and let go and give it to him. He gave it, you give it back. Yeah. Oh, and fine. you're thankful with that. Yeah.
0: Would you join me in thanking Dr. McIntosh? I have one last favor to ask you and then we'll let you go. Uh, I've got to, I'm sorry, everybody's going to want to talk to him, but we've got to get him out of here and I apologize to you, but I'll give you his cell number. (laughs) Can't do that. Um, Would you please, since everyone won't get to talk to you, would you stand up and pronounce a blessing over this class and and these people listening?
1: Um, Yes, I will. I'm going to do the Aaronic Blessing And there's a little story about that, if I can remember. I may not. You you go, go. You got it. A a research student, an American research student who came to us from Pennsylvania to St. John's, uh, and she was an archaeologist and biblical archaeologist, and she was digging in hell. Okay, hell. H-E-L-L hell but she, the real name of the place which you may know from the Bible is Gehenom. Gehenna. Geh means valley of Hinnom it's on the southwest corner of the outside the walls of Jerusalem of steep valley and terrible things happened there in the, Jeremiah's time in the past they sacrificed babies to idols and all that awful business went on there and furthermore they used to shove out the rubbish of the city into there and so there are always fires burning there burning up the rubbish rubbish, no, trash, I've got to speak your language, trash they burned the trash there so it became the place of the place of burning and hell Gehenna anyway this research student of ours was digging there and she found a little cave and she scrabbled around in the cave and picked up a ring a silver ring Subsequently, it was carbon dated to exactly the time of Jeremiah. That's, um, oh gosh, my mind's gone blank now. Uh, 600 BC. And on the silver ring was written the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace, shalom. So that was a little bit of the Bible that we've got coming to us, not from the Bible, from outside the Bible. So this person who had the ring had it on as a little prayer that the Lord would protect, we guess it's a girl, would protect her and keep her with that lovely prayer on the ring. So, the Lord be with you. You're supposed to say, and also with you.
0: And also with you.
1: (laughs) I'll do it again. The Lord be with you. And also with you. The Lord lift up the light. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace this day and evermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.
0: Amen. Thank you so much.